0: Hi, good day. This is Stefan Christophe in Montreal, and this is my monthly artist interview conversation. Every month on Radio Hara I share a conversation, an interview with an artist. We discuss their work, their practice, where they're at, the intersections of their creativity and social justice movements perspectives on what's happening in the world, and it's really a pleasure to speak with artists all over the place and share those conversations here on Radio Hara in Palestine. For this month, July 2022, I'm going to share a recent conversation I recorded with cellist and composer, musician, Julia Kent. Julia has lived for years in New York City, uh, in the East Village and actually is originally from Vancouver. I've had the chance to see Julia perform live and discuss uh, her practice over the years. And I thought it would be um, meaningful to check in and see where she's at these days, given the pandemic, the effects on musicians, and just hear about some of the projects she's working on. Uh, It's a great conversation, and we hear about some of her work particularly her reflections on uh, artists raising their voices to speak about the climate emergency is one part of the interview that I would encourage you to look out for. But also more generally to hear about her practice, uh, the construction of her pieces. She's released at least five beautiful albums. I spoke with Julia, she was actually in upstate New York and I was here in Montreal. So, here's our conversation. After the interview, you'll hear some music from Julia. So, thanks for listening. This is Radio Hara. I'm Stefan Christoph in Montreal. It's my monthly artist interview. Thanks to Julia for being on the, the program. Uh, Free Palestine, thanks for tuning in. And here is Julia.
1: I call myself a cellist and composer. My main instrument is cello, and I trained classically and then i moved to new york and kind of took a very different path you know i discovered improvised music and that whole area of music and i started my creative journey there and i should say i'm I'm born in vancouver so i'm canadian but i've lived in new york for years and years and years and my primary way of performing is live looping i use like a laptop and software so I loop myself with the cello create, and I, I create layers and layers of sound. And it just has become my practice because it's the way I can sort of multiply myself on stage to create more sound as a single person. And then I, I've been working increasingly with electronics and electronic sounds more for recording than for live performance. But that's also become really important to me. And I've released, I think five solo records at this point. Um, The last three were on a a label in the UK called Leaf. And I also, I write music for film and for theater and dance and whatever comes my my way, really.
0: Respect. Um, So when you talk about the live looping and the way that you develop sort of a sonic experience on stage, maybe we can start there because recently... I saw that you've been sharing your work in a public space in different countries, uh, Italy particularly, uh, I'm sure in other places also. Um, But um, I've had the chance to see you a few times live. It was wonderful. And there's really an environment you create. And I'm just wondering, how does it feel to share that environment now, uh, given what we've all gone through the last few years with the pandemic, how, how was being in public spaces making the very uh, intense emotional effort that you um, uh, share uh, with your performances? But also I re- remember, um, and I'm sure it's somewhat similar, there's a lot of physical work going on between the different pedals and Stopping for a moment when you're playing a, a loop line and moving things around. There's, there's a whole, like, almost mechanics to what you do. How is sort of sharing that after what we've all experienced?
1: Well, I feel really lucky to be able to get on stage and share my world with audiences because for me, I mean, it's like a cliche, but like music really is communication for me, because it's something that transcends language, it transcends boundaries, it transcends everything. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's about communicating emotion because I make instrumental music, there are no lyrics, there are no words. So I'm just trying to transmit my own emotional world. And when I can make that connection, I just feel so fortunate to be able to do that. And then when you talk about the the mechanics of looping, that's also interesting because for me, it's it's almost like a choreography because I'm playing cello and then I'm kind of coordinating things like I use like a midi controller that I that I use, control with my foot which sounds crazy but it's it's actually great and I always play barefoot because it makes me feel really grounded on the stage and it gives me a lot of control over um, volume and those kinds of things with the with the midi controller but it's definitely like a coordination process
0: mm mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm. and the sense of how you could interact with that process and share that process today. I, I, I realize that, you know, your practice has developed over many years, but sharing that today in the context of post-pandemic, how was it for you emotionally?
1: It was coming back to this stage. It was definitely like an intense emotional experience. Um, and I feel as though people are really they're excited. I mean, we were talking about being in the same room and like that that energy transmission that happens when you're in the same space together. And I mean, you know, a lot of people during the pandemic were doing kind of like Zoom performances, like online performances, and definitely people came to me to do that and I just I just couldn't do it for my own for my own music, but I actually did a theater production that was originally meant to be live on stage and turned into like a digital production. And I was kind of like, I did the music for that. And it was super interesting to see how that evolved into the digital world. And then I guess it's like radio, you know, because there's an audience out there, but you have no sense of them, I mean, you would you would know better than I. You know, it was very interesting to be kind of performing into the void, you know? And then at the end of this production, there was some audience interaction and people really, they got very personal in like a beautiful way because the director was kind of asking the audience to share emotional things from their end. And it was like this really incredible emotional connection that happened in the digital world. So that was amazing.
0: When you talk a bit about the void, um, (laughs) I think that maybe we have some sort of imaginary as to like how people listen or interact with creative work on the radio uh, through online presentation. But there is really a sense of unknown, like when, when you're in a room together in a physical way, everybody's experiencing something differently differently but there is points of commonality but yeah you're right Uh, and I really appreciate you using the term the void because there is an intensity to sort of the unknown of that and I find it interesting that you chose to sort of wait it out uh, for presenting your own work was that something you thought about a lot or is it just was an emotional response
1: it was an emotional response it just didn't makes sense to me because I feel like I do need, I do need that mm. energy back from the audience. I Also, as a side note, I was talking to someone, I can't remember who, and they were, they also had had a theater production that they turned into like a radio play, which makes so much more sense in a way for like a digital performance than something with the visual. Because, you know, with Zoom, it's like the squares and the, you know... The, the the head the heads the busts you know but turning turning something into a into a radio play made a lot of sense to me because then you're just experiencing it odd aud- auditorily
0: so what you've been presenting recently uh, is rooted in your practice for many years um, that involves uh, both your cello but also sort of digital interfaces. You talked about the MIDI controller. I know that you have various pedals. I'm sure they shift and adapt and you work with different setups, depending on where you're at. Um, But uh, in terms of, and I know that you presented here at Mutech in Montreal uh, also, um, that sort of negotiation between live organic instrumentation and electronic music, um, it happens. But I think, I mean, I get the sense from your work that you've really honed in on both sides of that being essential rather than sort of an add-on. And I think sometimes we can see in electronic music, oh, well, okay, there's been an addition put on, somebody's playing a live instrument, but it's, it's maybe an, a, a cool effort, but it doesn't feel as integral But in your work, both elements feel integral, the sort of looping aspect and the sort of cacophony. (laughs) I don't know if that's the right word, but the 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 multiple layers that happen um, and your organic aspect. Can you just maybe share anything about how um, both of those aspects are important to you?
1: It's interesting because I feel like with my process, live performance and recording are quite different. And it's very much a process. Like sometimes I'll start with the cello with like a melodic idea or like a rhythm or something and then elaborate it through looping and then add electronic elements or vice versa. Like I'll start with an electronic texture or like a melody piano melody and then add the cello to it so I think it it works both ways but certainly for live performance like the cello is the most integral element because everything comes from the from the cello like everything is synced to the live performance of the cello rather than vice versa because otherwise it would be just so static and rigid you know if I were confined to so you know I've just developed ways of kind of keeping myself in sync rhythmically. Um, but it's really important to me that for live performance, everything come from the cello and then things weave into that.
0: So your interest in other artists globally and collaboration are are many. Um, I remember when, um, fortunately, you were able to suggest some music pieces uh, for a mix that we worked on you uh, suggested work from different women composers around the world i really appreciated the breadth of um different styles and also instrumentation um there was uh literally artists from all over um i was wondering if you would like to share anything about um any reflections you have of where uh, women artists are at in different places around the world. I noticed that there was one artist you selected from Central Asia um, for that for that mix. And that was, and I took some time afterwards to listen to her work and it was, it was just awesome. Um, yeah, uh, at this moment, like, do you have any sense of like, are you excited about, um, you know, music, Uh, you know, instrumental music made by women in different places? Um, Is that something that you're sort of tracking? Is it something, how do you discover different artists? Is it just sort of natural, somebody suggested, or do do you actually take the time to sort of research what people are doing in different places? What particularly women artists are doing?
1: I mean, I'm really excited that women artists, I mean, I can't, you know, I can't speak to, I can't speak to like, the global scene, but I'm, I'm excited. I feel like women artists are, they're really holding space in some areas that traditionally have not been spaces for women artists. Like ambient music was like a super male space for a long time and it's really opening up, you know, there are so many more women making ambient music now. Um, but I also, you know, I don't want to be reductive either, you know, cause music is music and, you know, like, and musicians are musicians. Um, I, do, you know, and I'm finding myself right now. It's interesting, like, because I try to listen to a lot of music and sort of keep up with mm-hmm. what's happening to a certain extent. But you know, with streaming, everything is a. Li- it's a, it's getting harder to find. You know, it's it's like it's like the. The analogy of the bookstore, like you go into a bookstore and something catches your eye. And with streaming, that doesn't really happen, you know? Mm. Um, so I feel like streaming does kind of flatten things out to a certain extent. And I have to confess that, you know, I, lis- I, I stream because I'm, I'm just trying not to accumulate too many more physical objects, <laughs> you know, and streaming is good for that. But I feel like it also, like, flattens out a little bit of the possibility of discovery. You know, because the algorithm is there throwing things at you, whether you want them or not. Um, And right now, I was going to say, I actually haven't been listening to a lot of music right now because I'm up here in Hudson. And there's so many natural sounds that I'm really increasingly listening to those rather than listening to music. Certainly right now.
0: In some ways, that seems like that could be a reaction to everything being so digitized. Like enjoying the natural environment.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's really, you know, I've been obsessively listening to the birds, you know, because there are, there are a lot of birds up here. And it's fascinating to listen to them because, you know, that's where music sort of started in a way.
0: Yeah, I hear that. Um, what are some things you're working on right now that you might want to share with people um, for them to know about or learn about? your recent work
1: I am I've been working on a film score for a while it's a super interesting film I describe it as a metaphysical thriller and that that's been really really interesting to work on because it also it's it has the idea of looping in the plot so it's been interesting to kind of play with the with recurrence and looping and repetition in the context of a film score um, I've been working a little bit on my own music, but it's somehow hard right now because I don't really have a goal. Because also with streaming, I feel like the idea of putting out an album has changed a little bit. So I've just been releasing pieces on Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done a few compilations. I've done a few collaborations. Mm-hmm. But that's, yeah, that's pretty much what I'm doing right now.
0: How was your tour in Italy?
1: Oh, it was great. I mean, I don't really tour per se. I just do dates here and there. And I'm lucky to go to Italy a lot because I have a great booking agent there. So I play there a lot. Um, And it was really interesting because the last run of shows, I've been doing this collaborative project. Do you know Lubomir Melnik, the pianist? He is Canadian, Ukrainian, and he lives in Europe. And he conceived of this multimedia project that has visuals from an a audiovisual collective in Torino and Lubomir's amazing pia- p- piano music. And then I'm also part of it. Oh, wow. So that's a really beautiful project. It's called The End of the World, and it's about you know ecological disaster, basically.
0: Is that a theme that, um, whether it's through your creative work, but also just personally, I mean, you, me- you mentioned your... Um, born in Vancouver. uh, And I think that I get the sense, um, having spent some time there, that, that as a reference point, the earth, um, given that Vancouver is in a rainforest, and also um, Indigenous voices in Vancouver have been so strong and not just in the city, but in all the regions surrounding uh, Vancouver um, have really reoriented um our understandings of how to relate to the earth um yeah has this um does the Vancouver origin have any uh relationship to your interest in um the challenges that all of humanity faces with climate change
1: Absolutely, I think, but I think living anywhere, you're aware of that now, and I mean, even Vancouver, you, you say it's a rainforest, but they had devastating wildfires, you know, outside of Vancouver, I think last summer, and the the, the air was full of smoke, so it's like, you know, we're real, I mean, I don't want to sound too dire, but we're facing apocalypse, like it's terrifying, it's terrifying, um, You know, and here, you know, I feel like the East Coast is drowning, (laughs) and the West Coast is on fire. Like it's a little bit apocalyptic, Um, and I'm not sure what to to do in the face of that because I feel as though there are there are a lot of voices, as you say, indigenous voices, other voices, you know, trying to call our attention to the situation. But I'm just, you know, especially living in America, it's like you know because the situation here is worse i would say
0: but but in some ways you know it feels like the response to what you just said like what to do can really lead to inaction sometimes but i really appreciated what you mentioned like participating in a creative presentation um, through your music i mean I think that there's this idea, I I don't know, I'm just more sharing like that there's a perfect solution or a perfect action to take. But that can sort of, and not not without reason, lead people to get really anxious about how to act. And that might lead to a lot of inaction. But, you know, I get the sense, and I, I don't know how you feel about this, but if everybody was to try to raise their voice within the field that they work and whichever sort of context that they live, that, you know, the issues, although maybe not sidelined now, um, you know, there's a sense of creativity and energy that happens when everybody's speaking about something in different ways. I don't know if that speaks to you at all.
1: That absolutely does. It absolutely does. Because diver- we need a diversity of voices, I think. We need to hear from everyone. And I think you're right about the paralysis that comes because this is just such a huge issue. It, it It is a huge issue. And I think we have to, you're right, we have to work in our own sphere. Like, I think I'm understanding now because especially in America, like politically things have been so, oh God. I mean, I don't even have a word for it. I don't even have a word for it. And I've just come to the conclusion that instead of, being angry and being upset, you know, I just have to work within my own sphere to 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 create as much commonality as I can and to be as kind as I can and to connect with people as best I can. And this is what I can do, you know, this is what I can do.
0: And, um, yeah, and respect to you. Um, your work, uh, people can learn more about it um Julia Kent uh has a Bandcamp page and I believe you have a website where can people go to learn more about all your different projects and you mentioned so many different ones so really encourage people to check out the huge scope of your work
1: oh well thank you Stefan yeah I have a website julia.kent.com. I have a Bandcamp um I'm on all the streaming platforms <laughs> okay. um and I maybe I'll come to a city event in Canada to play one day again. <laughs> you never know.
0: Yeah, cool. Thanks for taking the time today.
1: Oh, it's great to talk to you, Stefan. Thank you.